Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. It's episode number 179 today. On today's episode, we'll do a little year-end wrap-up and a look forward to what's coming in 2024. Thanks for listening. Want a special shout-out here for Tightbond, our sponsor for this episode? You want a glue that you can trust, and fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. Don't worry, I'm just side shifting my head slightly so you can see the bottle of Tightbond glue on my bench. Oh, very nice. That is like that. probably three years expired, but it still works. <laughs> Still works. That's how awesome type bond glues are. <laughs> uh, We're kind of type bond rich here now. All of a sudden, after doing videos with them earlier this summer, and then some photos with them. So, so anybody who comes by in the next few months to visit and for a tour, probably will walk home with a bottle or two of glue. So, if it's that's not, a promise, not incentive, but. <laughs> yeah. If that's not incentive to come to Iowa in the middle of winter, I don't know what is. The views, probably. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or as my wife says, what the weather is today, it is gray and stupid. It is. Today's like, yeah, it's warmer, but I went outside to get my trash can for the shop because I dumped it in the work dumpster this week. And I'm like, why is my trash can wet? Oh, because it's spitting. Oh, nice. Yeah, perfect. Hmm. All right. So I was working on some cabinets for Craig videos that we're doing Mm -hmm. and went to attach the backs on a few of them and grabbed our cordless brad nailer. Okay. Which did kind of a limp wristed, not nailed anything into the back. Okay. So I had to, we have two of them that are identical few years apart in age put some three-in-one oil down the main cylinder and let it sit for a little while and then it finally started working again okay the other one i'm on like a second dose of three-in-one oil we'll have to see if that works now we're we're not saying the names of those the brand of them right just because i'm tired of the hate just the knee jerk okay but I'm going to defend these people for a second. Okay. Do you get what you pay for? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I part of me wonders is if we used those nailers more often. Yeah. Would, I mean, yes. would this, would the cylinder dry out in the same way? Yes. And that is fair. I think. Yeah. Now, but that being said, this particular brand is for DIYers who are probably not using the nailer frequently. Yeah, anyway. yeah, this is this is the brand where you buy a tool, you get four, or you buy a battery, you get four tools for free. Right. Yeah. So, um, now with that said, though, this is the only time that I've ever personally used a tool or known somebody that uses a tool that stops working because of lack of oil in it. Right. Like, I mean, they always, they always send a little, you know, any manufacturer 
with any air nailer or battery nailer, always send a little vial of oil, right? Right. Has anybody ever actually used that on their tools? Probably not. Probably not. No, because we had a, and I think it's still in there, as a little case for the little tiny Porter Cable uh, pin nailer. Pin nailer, yep. The like PM100 or whatever it's called. And that had a little thing of oil in it. And the only thing that that was good for is that it was a plastic vial that didn't screw down tight. So it just mm-hmm. very slowly oozed oil all yes. around the inside of the case. So if yeah. that's how you na- oil the nailer, then yeah, uh-huh. we totally had that one covered. So there is one of, um, I don't know that they, that they advertise in Woodsmith, but they definitely advertise in Popwood. Um, Senco. Sure. S-E-N-C-O. Um, they're, they're a pretty common brand. They're a popular brand in uh, some of the big box stores. They're more of like a professional grade. Um, they, they're actually, their, their main clientele are like giant cabinet shops, like cabinet shops that have like pneumatic everything where you got an assembly line of people putting cabinets together. That's, that's like Senko goes in and fills up those spaces with their tools. Um, they did release a consumer, uh, consumer grades, not the right way to put it, but that's how I'm going to put it. Um, a consumer grade set of tools that are oil lists. Um, oh. so they don't require oil at all, which I was kind of like, yeah, okay. Like who actually oils them? But then we run into problems with our lime green branded stuff. Um, yeah. So I don't know now this is, so do you have the backs actually on those cabinets? Uh, I do, uh, on two of them. I do, I need to do some, on uh, some assembly on, on camera. So I was trying to work ahead where I'm able to. So I didn't do all of them, but gotcha. Um, and the reason I ask is I have, I bought that Milwaukee, um, narrow crown stapler. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was one thing I thought was like, Hey, you can staple. Like I bought it to do like all the, like all this trim, everything in here is stapled up for the most part. Right. Um, cause it'll shoot through, it'll shoot through an inch and a half of, of hardwood if you want it to. Wow. Um, I'm thinking like, Hey, you throw a half inch staple in there. You staple the backs on the cabinets super easily. And my problem with, with like that finish nailer, um, the heads always seem to pull through. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like on the, on plywood, oftentimes maybe not like an actual plywood, but like on like MDF core or something, the heads always seem to pull through. So yeah, stapler would probably be a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't ever really consider the stapler. I know you've had yours in here a few times. Yeah. And used it. Yeah. I mean, and it's also cabinet backs that are going to be built in, you know, installed. You'll never see the back of it. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a larger. It's a larger hole. Not that much, though. I'm sitting here looking at my trim behind you guys. And I mean, it's maybe a. I mean, it's a quarter inch staple, so it's only a quarter inch wide, and it's yeah. the same height as a finish nailer. So yeah, don't know. It's maybe I'll bring it in today and see if see if it works. The backs, okay, that'd be cool. Yeah, 
And I saw for the sawtill update for the folk that need to know that uh, you had it in and painted the main mm-hmm. carcass of it yep. yesterday. Yep. So I was before we started podcasting, I was walking around, kind of picking up a little bit, getting the the mess under control, so I could start doing the drawers. I have to do drawers and the back, um, and uh, kind of like. Bounce it back and forth. Do I dovetail the drawers? In the SketchUp model, I have them dovetailed. That seems like a lot of work coming up on a Christmas break. <laughs> so there's only three of them. They're four and a half inches tall, nine inches wide. Uh, right. So, like, it's not that much work to dovetail them. I could, I could have it done in a morning. But I could have locking rabbits done in about 15 minutes at the table saw. Right. So, but does it seem kind of sacrilege to not dovetail drawers on a saw till that holds dovetail saws? I mean, I mean, it's a fair question. Yeah. So, and it's, it's kind of one of those things. I just want to, maybe I'll like cut each drawer with a different dovetail saw just, just to do it. I don't know. Just, yeah, I don't know. That's that's an issue for tomorrow. That's not an issue for yeah. today. Yeah. So. so. All right. Yeah. I am going to I am going to bring the maple in with me to I'm still having issues with my jointer here. Like Oh yeah. Like I have the new head in it. The new head's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The, the issue is right. not with the head. It's with the parallelism of the parallel jointer, which is not parallel. parallelograms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh because I was so let me grab this quick. I don't know if you'll see it. But I was working on I have a divider in that saw till. So left hand side is uh panel saws, standard kind of saws. Yeah, you can't see it on this one as much. Um right hand side is a uh dowel for like the um back saws because the hang angles on back saws, I didn't think about this, but the hang angle on a back saw means it needs a much higher position oh, versus yeah. the other one. It, just the hang angle is a lot different. So I have this divider. Okay, this is the divider. Okay, just nice right. little gently swooping divider. And I was like, this this poplar I jacked out of our shop there um, was really twisted. Like, and I'm assuming that's why, you know, Mark or Steve didn't use it because it was bad. Like, like, this would be going in my firewood pile if it was mine. Um <laughs> But I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to use the dang thing. Um, so I started to flatten this board on the jointer, and I could not get it flat. Hmm. And I don't know. I don't know that that there wasn't some tension built into this or in this wood as I was jointing one face of it, and it was just continually twisting on me. I don't know. But yeah. I ended up with I ended up with a piece that was like really really thin on two corners. Yeah. And really fat on the other two. Hmm. So I'm like going down this weird rabbit hole now of like getting out a dial indicator and figuring out a way to set up a dial indicator on my jointer tables to make sure they're actually parallel because I, I mean, I have a straight edge that's 36 inches that's ground, but it's really hard to like, I just need to spend some time. I just need to stop being a little weenie and just sit, spend some time with it. <laughs> just one of those problems i want i want to keep punting it down the road but i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring 
the curly maple I'm going to use for the sawtill drawers and the backs into the shop with me today. Get them all cleaned up on the shop jointer and planer because I know those yeah. are halfway decent. So, I mean, speaking of which, our Rikon combo machine in here mm-hmm. in in its jointer mode, I think must have some droop on the outfeed table because it seems like you keep cutting a big old curve in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've adjusted that one before. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I adjusted that when I did my dining tabletop. Um, oh. I spent, I spent a good hour, hour and a half adjusting it. Um, and that one's not, that one's not too bad to adjust. That one has nope. like, no, it has like uh, set bolts underneath that you you loosen oh, okay. a, a lock nut, adjust the bolt. It's not bad. Um, yeah, it's easier to to adjust than than like this delta with those you know concentric cam or concentric bushings I was talking about last time. Yeah, um, but that that leads to a good point. Like I've adjusted that Rikon once, probably two years ago. Does it just get out of calibration because of the nature of the machine? The flip right. top, you're always messing with it, you know, flipping it up, flipping it down. Like, is that yeah. what does it? I don't know. It's because <laughs> we drag it around by the table beds. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because otherwise, you know, now that I had oiled the dust collector chute on it, like the yeah, dust collection on it, way better. in both functions is pretty amazing yeah considering how it used to be and um so that part's nice and you know it works pretty well so yeah i would be curious to know what the what the cause of that is maybe we just have to cinch down the stop nuts on it a little tighter or something Mm -hmm. or yeah there you go to read a couple of comments from last week's episode where we were talking about stuff that we stockpile and decluttering. Uh, Jeff Yantha writes, after a surprise move and several canceled projects, I have a big stockpile of wood, a lot more than I normally keep on hand. As you suggested, my goal for the holiday season is to do something about it so that my shop is usable again. Uh, Ryan McGregor, top tip, the surfacer restorer tool that Logan mentions is also great for cleaning the bark and loose debris off live edge slabs without doing Hmm. damage to the live edge character. Like most like to retain. I did not think about that because those drums are pretty stiff. Yeah. But I think if you like broke them in, I think it would, I think it would probably do well. It's like, that's a good, that's a good point. Hmm. See, uh, Paul Sharon Christensen writes, I worked for 50 years in aviation maintenance, so I tend to be even more finicky than the average woodworker in that everything has a home, and if it's not there, it's in use or lost. At one time, I worked with a man who went into the business of making custom wood boxes for test equipment and fixtures for the aviation community. His premise was that if a fragile tool is stored in a metal or plastic box, people tend not to take care of it. If it's in a well-crafted wooden box, everyone will treat it with respect. I lost track of him, so I don't know if he was successful, but I agree that a wood container is a living thing and inherently garners respect. Oh, Paul from Kelowna, Iowa. Mm. There you go. That's where my my great-grandpa was from. Oh, 
Jim Gilchrist says, so I played this in the car today. I thought my wife was asleep <laughs> until she started laughing. Her take on this episode is that you sound exactly like a bunch of women at a quilt guild meeting talking about their fabric. She's rarely wrong. And if she is, I don't tell her. Hmm. I don't know if I should be offended or proud. <laughs> like, not sure how I should take this. <laughs> yeah. There are very confusing feelings happening right now. Yeah. To me, what's funny is uh, as long as I've been in publishing for woodworking is knowing that in many ways, woodworking is entirely different and also the exact same as a lot of other hobbies. Mm -hmm. Quilting, for example. Um, in that you can really, you can really nerd out and gear up on just about everything. Yeah. yeah. And then there are also the same sort of people who will, they find their joy in being super thrifty about it, either with like a minimum set of say golf clubs, for example, mm -hmm. or, you know, restoring old tools or whatever. So. Yeah. And collectors of all the little odds and ends and bits and pieces that go along with most hobbies. Like your one grandpa with all of his uh, fishing lure stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I don't know if I said that. I sold it all. Did you really? I did, yeah. I And I knew it was one of those things that, like, I didn't, I, I don't want to keep stuff just because it means, like, I know you are very... Uh, nostalgic with stuff that people give you. Yeah, it's, it's like, terrible. It was, it was family members, whatever. Like, I appreciate what I hold on to are the memories. I don't hold on to the items. Okay. So, like, I got all that lead casting stuff, all the fishing molds, you know, all the jig molds. Um, there were some rubber molds in there for doing, you know, twister tails and stuff. Um, and I'm I just looking at it. I'm like, you know what? This is going to sit here. And it's not going to get used because I don't have time. I love fishing. I still fish like I fish regularly, but um, that's a different hobby that I have. I, I don't get as much enjoyment out of that hobby as I do my other hobbies. And sure. I'm not going to do it just for the pure nostalgia. So I did. I sold it all. I drove it down to Southern Missouri with me on my way Whoa. to Eureka Springs, Arkansas, visiting Doug Stowe. So I, okay. I took my truck down there. And I had 2,000 pounds of lead with all this fishing lure stuff in the back end of my truck. And I, yeah, sold it to some guy. He's like, this is awesome. I, my, his, like his son and him were going to start making them and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. good for you, man. Right. So I did recently find a Rubbermaid tote of ones I forgot for making like spinner baits and stuff. So, all right. You know, at some point. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I kept a few things. Like I, I've been showing you all the pewter figurines I've been melting down that I buy at flea markets and use those in turning. So I kept like, you know, some of the ingot molds and you yeah. know, a little lead scoop and stuff. So, yeah, no, I think you have to. And, you know, the older you get, it's really easy to start accumulating things. Mm -hmm. So I've become more targeted on my sentimentality of, 
you know, like you said, you can't keep all of that, Yeah. you know, so do you keep just a handful of things that remind you of grandpa so that when you see him, you see those things, you know, it, be, it becomes a, an object that holds the memory. Yeah. So, but yeah, cause I, it's the same way with like my one grand, well, both of my grandpas, one was a dairy farmer and a mechanic. So I have some of his tools his machine tools that I use in my shop and it's fun when I get to use them and think of, oh, yeah. think of grandpa or my, uh, my other grandpa was uh, an old German butcher in a small town in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So like my brother has one of his meat cleavers and we sharpened it up a couple weeks ago. And so he's been using it, um, so he's been using it in the kitchen. So that's kind of cool yeah. too, is to have oh, yeah. that, have those connection points. So, yeah, you know, my, that the same grandpa that, uh, had all the fishing stuff also had an affinity for Menard's free effort rebate tools. Okay. So anytime I see a tool shop brand item, I'm like, <laughs> that's a piece of shit. And grandpa would have bought it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I yes. Threw, we threw so much tool shop stuff away. It's probably uh, 95% aluminum foil. Yep. Oh, man. I will tell you, though, and I said this a couple weeks ago when John was talking about his uh, orange handle Irwin saw with induction heated teeth. Hmm. Yep. I got a couple of those from Grandpa's. Okay. My, those are my deer processing saws. Can always repurpose something, I guess. <laughs> Want a special shout out here for Tight Bond, our sponsor for this episode? You want a glue that you can trust, and fortunately, Tight Bond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. All right. So what do you, are you going to be able to spend some shop time over the Christmas new year time off that we have at work here? Yeah. That, so that's my plan. Um, I had the, I had the, the realization this morning that Christmas was on Monday, not Sunday. Hmm. So I kind of, I gained a day on the front end, lost a day on the back end. Cause I'm like, yeah, yeah. Monday start to what I, what I would like to do. I'm not going to do any woodworking. I don't think, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up this. I, I want to wrap up this, um, sawtill over the holiday. Um, just because we're sneaking up on our, our print deadline. But, um, what I would really like to do is I'd really like to get this office in here done. So I would really like to get drywall done. Um, oh, so that'd yes, be cool. time in my shop but time working on the shop. Um, right. And I, I, I hate to say it. The, the reason that I would like to get this office done is my wife keeps showing me cats that are available for adoption around here. And I really would like a shop cat. So as I'm watching like spiders run across the floor, I need something that's going to chase this, the critters down. So okay. I'm sure, I'm sure there are mice that are, have made their way in and in and out of here. I mean, there's nothing in here to eat, so I doubt that it'd stay, but yeah. it's warm. Yeah. So. All right. Yep. So your shop cat would just stay in the shop then? Yes. Or yes. travel with you between shop and house? No, just stay in the shop. Okay. We have a cat in the house. 
She's a grouchy old lady. She, okay. I don't think she would be appreciative of a new cat. My dogs would love a new cat, but the current cat would not love a cat. And she... She wouldn't like it that you've drafted Jordan Love to replace her? No, 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 she would not like that. Uh, she'd start growing long hair and doing weird commercials and stuff. Like, <laughs> you know. Uh, the And she does not have front claws. So she has caught mice in her house before. I'm pretty sure it was her. I don't think it was her other cat that is not catching. He doesn't catch mice anymore, uh, if you know what I mean. Right. Uh but I don't know that she would be the best shop cat. I think she'd be, I think, I feel like bringing an animal into the shop, whether it's dogs, cats, whatever, uh, they need condition to the noises of a shop. Now, sure. I'm not saying that you should have them in there as you're running a lot. I mean, if it hurts your ears, it hurts their ears, right? Yeah. Um, but I think if I brought her in here and I turned the dust collector on, like it'd be like tying a bow rocket or tail. Like she would not know what to do with herself. So I kind of feel like you need to have a gentle early age easing into shop sounds for animals. Okay. And, and by having the office done there somewhere that they can go to kind of get away from some of the noise. So would you put like a little pet door in your office door then? I considered that. Yes. That, you know, if it's loud, ducks yep. into the office. Yeah, I consider that because little pet bed I, and whatever. Yeah, and... yeah, and and I had uh, I had considered that. Um, and the one thing that I will be doing, I, I'm doing it right now with the bathroom, is keeping the door to the office and the bathroom both closed at all times. Be and it, just because it cuts some of the dust down. You know. Oh sure. Like the, the the amount of dust that finds their way in those rooms is ridiculous. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I do not doubt that at all, because I mean, we don't use the video studio. I mean, we use the video studio mm -hmm. enough, but it's not like the Woodsmith production shop or anything. And it's amazing the amount of little fine wood dust that is on like my computer monitor or yeah. all of this stuff in the background on these yeah. shelves here. So, yeah. Well, and see, and that's that's one of the things like I am working on figuring out what I'm going to do with my dust collection in here, because right now I have the Oneida Supercell. It's a beautiful dust collector. It works really well, but I only have a flex hose for it. And the straight pipe is mm. very expensive. I think I mentioned I got a quote right. for the new flex pipe and that was almost or the new the rigid pipe for it. And I think yeah. it was close to five grand. Like it was a lot. Yeah. Um, but it really sucks dragging that flex hose all over. Like it's, yeah, it's because really that flex hose is really heavy and it's really stiff. Yeah. Like, because it has to handle the, the static pressure of that, uh, supercell. Um, so, you know, that I'm, I'm working on that, that deal. Hopefully that'll be a early 24 thing. Um, but, uh, this kind of goes against what Oneida the Oneida mentality, which I, I know the, 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 the folk at Oneida pretty well, their mentality is collect the dust at the source, right? Collect it at yeah. the router table, collect it at the table saw. Don't let it get in the air. If it does get in the air, let it settle as fast as it can. They do not like or condone the hanging air collect the air filters. Yeah. 
And the reason behind that is that once that dust is in the air, your best bet is just to let it settle down onto a surface as soon as it can. By putting a fan in the air that's circulating air, you're going to be keeping it in the air longer, therefore more likely that you're going to breathe in. And and I get that, and I do understand that. But at the same time, like in the studio there, or in my shop here, it would sure be nice to turn just like two of those air collectors on, blow everything off, and let it just clean it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like put a respirator on, blow it off, then walk out of the shop for an hour. Right. So. Yeah, I think there's, I I know and understand Oneida's point of view on that. But I also know that there are plenty of woodworking operations where collecting it adequately at the source is very nearly impossible. Yes, yes, and that that is true. Um, yeah, you know the 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 one thing that I have strongly considered, and I will probably do sooner rather than later, um, is add like a whole house fan for this shop. Okay. So, you know, like one that would hang in the ceiling in your house and it vents into the attic. I think right. I'm going to do that because then I can walk around and actually like open up all the windows. And this is a, I mean, this is a small enough space. It's 1600 square foot. They make ones for, you know, 5,000 square foot houses. So like if I walk around, crack every window open a couple inches and walk around with my leaf blower and just blow everything off, I think it will lift it up and out and then blow it out into the trees. Could be. Yeah. I don't know. I'm right. It can't hurt. There's our science question for today. (laughs) If Logan puts a whole house fan in there, can he use it to dust his entire shop with a leaf blower? I'm looking for all the engineers to (laughs) send it to all the engineers, you know, send a link to the show, get them listening. Yeah. Cause we want to know. Yeah. Now, of course, then the issue would be, well, no, that'd be fine. Say if it was blowing, because I, I also thought about going down the route of like putting, because uh, so my buddy uh, Jimmy down in his shop, when he when he has a bunch of students turning, he has a wall mounted fan that blows out. So it's like it's almost like an exhaust fan, almost like we have in the kitchen there behind you, Phil. Right. But yeah. it blows out and he turns that on when they're sanding. So that blows straight out the wall. And I was like, I could probably rig like three of those fans up and put them in a panel that I put in my window and then just blow it out the window. But then I'm going to have a screen that's going to be full of dust. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I just, I don't get, there's no way to get good airflow in the shop. Like in a garage, you can open up the garage door, right? And you can kind of blow it out, blow it out into the yard. Right can't do that in here i mean i open up the french doors or i know about my sliding doors over here but it, it doesn't get good airflow like that yeah so okay don't know that's fair don't know yep dust problems it mm-hmm. is wood shop though so what are you gonna do yeah so do how is your yeah how's your heat been doing in the shop i mean really, it's been a pretty really warm well. fall yeah. into winter here but we had yeah we had a one week where it got pretty cold. Yep. You know, so on the big swing days, it does, it keeps up. Does fine. Yeah. There was, okay. there, there has been, um, so right now I do have the mini split on. Um, I walked in here. I, the only reason it's on, I forgot I shut it off. Um, I walked in here a few days ago 
and it was pretty chilly in here. Like it was like 62, like not cold, like plenty warm to work, like plenty right. warm, but I'm trying to take photos, you know, in a t-shirt and my apron. So, you know, I, I flipped on the mini split and before that I had turned the radiant floor down a bit um, just because uh, I think setting the radiant floor at like 78 was holding it at about 66, 67 in here. Oh, okay. Which is pretty good. And I, yeah. I just don't need it that warm though. So I, 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 I bumped it down a bit. Um, so it, it's been holding really well. Um, not to the point, the, the only day it got really cold in here is I think I told you something tripped off my, um, circuit that the oh floor yeah. pumps are on. So, right. and that it tripped it off for a couple of days. So it got pretty chilly in here. I'm, I'm not, not even close to freezing, but I got out of the fifties. Um, so no, it's been doing really well. I've been very, very happy with it. Um, you know, I had this, I had this weird, like idea that radiant heat, like, oh, the floor is going to feel so warm through your shoes. Like, I mean, it is, it's walking between here and my cold storage side. Like that's cold concrete. Like that is cold right. concrete. This is not cold concrete. Um, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to lay on the floor and take a nap. Oh, you know? Okay. Uh, there, there are certain areas like over by the lathes where that radiant heat comes in immediately that gets pretty, I mean, that you can feel is pretty warm. Um, I actually haven't got, I have a FLIR, um, thermal camera. I haven't got that out. I should, I need to clean up all the crap off the floor first, but then I can walk around and kind of see where the radiant heat is. Um, and I should probably do that to adjust my, it's all one zone, meaning, this is all either on or off. I can't turn half the shop on half the shop off, but I can adjust the flow through each loop to make sure I'm getting consistent heat. Um, oh, rather yeah, than, yeah. rather than like, you know, the West wall, that floor gets warmer than the center section. And then the East wall is the coldest, you know, I can, I can kind of throttle them back and stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's a problem I think for when it gets a little bit colder out. And then right. I really start to when you'd see then you'd be able to notice the temperature. Yeah, I yeah, would think exactly. getting a shop cat would do the same thing in the sense yep. that the cat would very quickly find the warm spot on the floor. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> yep. You know, the other thing I thought, and I think I mentioned this too, is I haven't climbed up on a ladder in here recently, but I'm expecting that the ceiling is much warmer than the floor is right now. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, like. You know, I, I I knew that during summer. Um, well, yeah, you know, it would feel really cool, or it'd feel nice with the air running in here. But then I get on the ladder, and I'm sweating instantly. I have to assume that the heat is still. I mean, the heat's rising, so I have to assume that the there's a, a thermal client in here where the the ceiling air is warmer than the floor air. Yeah. Um, and I think I mentioned maybe putting a couple ceiling fans in here um, sure. and reversing them to pull air down. I don't know. I'm overspending money on this shot right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. No. I mean, it will be nice to see your office put together and it will have that as a space where you feel like it's a little bit work. more as a self-contained setup. Yeah. Yeah. Because right now, like when I actually need to sit down and do real computer work, I go park my butt on the couch in the, in the, in the living room. Um, yeah where I would much rather be sitting at a desk. Uh, I mean, I could go downstairs into our office, but my wife's always working down there. Um, so yeah, I, I don't sit here and type up 
articles. I can't do that. Too many distractions. Right. So that's fair. Very fair. Just just like I, I couldn't imagine trying to sit behind you and write an article in there. I just couldn't do it. There's no way. Too many distractions. <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of distractions, but it's also kind of nice because. Yeah. I don't know. I just like coming into a place to work. And I. Well, my, yeah. And that my yeah. house is not set up for that. And. And my shop is not set up for that. No. And that's and but that's I kind could, of the point of this is it's a place to work. So it's a place to go and have work. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to be traveling most of the week between Christmas and new year. So I won't be getting too much shop time. I did finish my Christmas presents, which I didn't think I was going to. It was one big flurry of activity. So just making sure these are Christmas presents for 24, right? (laughs) No, they're for this year. What? Are you kidding me? I had, I think I've said before that I uh, was making a set of bookcase boxes for the nieces and nephews on my wife's side and got an awesome start on one of them. Great looking box. And then I cut my finger and we had a bunch of deadlines like come back to back to back to back here and um, just didn't get as much time as I had hoped. And so there was a little bit of fear that I wasn't going to get this, get them done at all. And then a design idea came to simplify the four that I needed to finish, but still allow each one to be individual and pounded them out. So nice. I'm very excited. I think there's a delight in being able to give stuff to people. Yeah. I had big plans of doing Christmas presents this year. Um, it's been a couple of years since I did all those cutting boards. So I had planned on doing like some turned spatulas and oh. rolling pins and stuff like that. Like stuff I could just batch out in the afternoon. Right. D- didn't no. find the afternoon. <laughs> Did not. F- because like being in here working on projects all day or being in the studio, like, and we've talked about this, like being in the studio filming is exhausting. Yeah, like that. Those are the longest. I would rather run the sawmill all day long, sun up to sundown. <laughs> and I would be less tired. I'd be less tired than a full day of filming. Um, So, yeah, like the last thing I wanted to do is just stand at the lathe for an afternoon and whip out a bunch of like production style work. Although that Koenig has a duplicator on it. So pretty easy to make rolling pins. Right. Maybe next year is rolling pin year. It might be. Thanks for joining us in this adventure. If you're the kind that likes to write good reviews, I would love it if you could do that for us as one last Christmas present to do is to write a review of a podcast wherever you get your podcast because it helps all the digital brains that distribute podcast. It helps big podcast hear us and mm-hmm. get it out to more woodworkers. Uh, So if you could do that, leave a five-star review. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, I want to hear about them. You can send them as an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, or put them in on the comments section on our YouTube channel. That's frankly where we see and respond to most of them. Again, in the new year, if you're traveling through the Des Moines metropolitan area, 
especially with caucus season coming up, feel free to stop in for a tour. Just let us know when to expect you. And bring coffee. And bring coffee. Yeah. The best tours are those uh, with people who bring stuff. So (laughs) just saying. Thanks for listening, everybody. And a special shout out to Titebon Glue for their sponsorship of the podcast and the TV show and helping us keep our stuff together for 45 years now at Woodsmith. So we'll catch you all on the flip side, everybody. Bye.